On April 12, 2018, former Major Michael Baxter was sentenced to five years in prison for falsifying reports concerning the beating of inmate Darren Glover at Appalachie Correctional Institute in July 2015. We have... Darren's wife, Jennifer, here in the News Herald studio with us to tell her story from those days. So, Jennifer, tell me, in your own words, what happened July 12th and 13, 2015. On July 12th, um, it was a Sunday, I went to visit um, my then fiance Darren, at um, Appalachie Correctional Institution. Uh, we uh, were sitting down, we were celebrating the fact that we were finally going to get married the next day um it had been uh we had had nothing but um problems getting the marriage approved up to that point um we finally got it approved sat down we're just trying to enjoy ourselves a regular visitation eat together play cards together take some pictures and uh and kind of late morning we had a, a sergeant walk up to us and lean over, and he wasn't working visitation that day. He came in to and got something from the canteen, and he walked over and leaned down and, and looked at Darren and said, um, you need to be careful. There's a lot of people here that don't want to see you get married. And so um, Darren just kind of, like, laughed and shrugged it off, like, that's what he does. You know, he's not going to be intimidated. And so... Uh, soon thereafter, we went over and, and started taking pictures. We always take pictures every time I visit. He doesn't like to smile when he takes pictures, and I love his smile. And so I was being kind of like flirtatious and kind of like poking him in his side to get him to smile. And this other officer um, who was about six to eight feet from us sitting at the desk um, said, uh, you know, I don't want to see that nasty blank. And so... And we should probably clarify that Darren is black. I am white and he is black. (laughs) And and so Darren didn't hear the officer. If he did, he didn't, didn't show me that he heard it. But, um, but that's when I realized, you know, there was a lot of tension there. Jennifer said as she and Darren resumed their photo session, the same guard who had made the earlier racial comment called Darren over and instructed him to tighten his shoes. Darren, who has edema in his feet, told the guard his feet were swollen and that his shoes were as tightly laced as they could be. He produced a medical pass, stating he couldn't be assigned standing tasks for long periods of time, and the guard sent him back to finish the photo session. Jennifer said she tried to keep the mood light, but the officer then called Darren out again. And, uh, and then Darren comes back in after a little bit and says that he's getting written a disciplinary report for lying to an officer. And I said, what'd you lie about? And he said that, that the officer claimed that his medical, that he claimed his medical pass was for not having to tie his shoes. Right. Hmm. And, and I said, well, that's not right. And so he was visibly upset. You know, he, I mean, he had at this point he had tears starting to well up in his eyes all he wanted to do was get married the next day he felt like he was going to confinement and that we weren't going to be able to get married jennifer then asked to speak to the captain she explained the situation and says the captain told her if nurses confirmed darren's medical pass he would not give him the disciplinary report and he said regardless he wasn't going to put darren in confinement he'd put him on the work squad 
Assured the work assignment at least wouldn't interfere with their wedding, Jennifer considered that resolution a win. So um, about that time, um, the uh, another officer, um, you know, starts, uh, I hear her like being kind of loud and she opens the door and she's telling, um, you know, Darren that, you know, he's getting kicked out of visitation. I bet apparently like she had said something to him. She was just, they were trying to to get a reaction out of him, right? They wanted him to be disorderly. They wanted a reason to put him in confinement. So Captain uh, decides to, you know, he asked me to go back and sit down and, and, um, and he goes and talks with Darren for a little bit and, and I'm sitting here in visitation all by myself and I have like these people from other, other tables going, gosh, like, what did you guys do to upset them? Like, they obviously have it out for you today. Like they've, you know, like apparently when I was out in the, the hallway, the officer was just like constantly egging him, egging Darren on and like saying like, you're going to get a DR, you're not going to get married, you know, just egging him on. So Darren comes back in and, uh, and says now he's getting a a DR for, um, both the boots and or not tying his shoes, lying to an officer and, um, and now disorderly conduct. Now the other officer is writing him a, a DR for disorderly conduct, but he's still only going to go to the DR squad. So at this point, you know, we decide like maybe it's just better to end visitation an hour early, you know, kind of get out of their presence, stop giving them a reason to hassle us. And, uh, and he, you know, and he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we say our goodbyes, hug and kiss. And, um, and then I like held his face and I was like, no matter what they do, don't let them provoke you. Right. I said, don't let them get to you. I said, no matter what you do, don't let them provoke you. If anything happens, I've got your back. Right. Because I figure I, it's easier for me to fight for him on the outside than it is for him to fight for himself. 45 minutes later, Jennifer called the captain, who confirmed Darren did have a medical pass. She went back to her hotel room in Sneeds, then got up the next morning, got dressed, and began driving to her unlikely chapel, Appalachie Correctional. Literally, I'm at my car with the notary that was marrying us, and the notary gets a call from the chaplain that says... Um, that something happened, he wasn't sure what, something happened, um, and that he was told that we weren't going to be able to get married. The next several hours were a blur of unanswered questions for Jennifer. Two administrative figures at Appalachie told her the wedding was off, but refused to answer any questions, citing an active investigation. She resolved to stay patient and calm, to not worsen whatever situation was unfolding. She assumed whatever had happened was fallout from Darren's shoes not being tied properly, until the administrator snapped at her that this had nothing to do with yesterday. And I said, well, then what is it? I don't understand. Like, what is it? And he goes, I'll tell you what it is. Your fiancé showed his natural animal, ASS. And he goes, and he did it with the major. And so I looked at him, and I'm, you know, and I was like, okay and he goes you're not going to see him for you're not going to see or talk to him for a really long time the administrator told jennifer another employee would take her information and refer her to the office of the inspector general it was then that jennifer noticed the captain she had spoken to the day before was present despite it being his day off 
Her heart sank as she realized Darren likely would get those disciplinary reports after all, and that her wedding day had not actually arrived. She went home, dejected, and resumed daily life, still unaware of what would happen. About 4 p.m., an inspector called to tell her only that Darren had been transferred, but not where. Kind of like in shock at this point, but I had no reason to be overly upset, right? Like, obviously, I'm upset because I had planned to be married that day. Um, and I felt like this was just one more maneuver by ACI to not allow a black man and a white woman to get married. I mean, like, like this was the whole issue all along. And, um, and so uh, a little after seven, my phone rings. And, um, and it's two inmates that I don't know. And they said, um, you know, and they and they tell me they go, uh, get a lawyer, call the media, you you know, and and go to the hospital. And I'm like, what? And they go, um, they beat him. They beat him. Unrec- you know, they they beat him. You can't recognize him. I said, what do you mean? They go, um, the major punched him. They didn't want him marrying a white woman. Like, I mean, and it was like this. It, like this surreal, like what? What are you talking about? Like what happened? And um, and it was a really short call. Um, and then I get off the phone and um, and I'm back and and I was trying to work from home and or work from my friend's home and and I'm back in her room and then I just like this cry of like grief and sorrow just like came out of my body. This like like it breaks my heart. And, um, you know, like those movies when women lose their children and they like do this, like this heart wrenching cry, like that's what came out of me. And, um, and my friend, my friend, um, comes running in there and it's like, Jennifer, what's wrong? And I'm like, they beat him. And, uh, and she's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, they, they beat him. And, uh. And I still didn't even know where he was at, right? She called Appalachian and asked for the officer on duty. The officer, by now on night shift, claimed no knowledge of what Jennifer was talking about, but confirmed Darren was not there. Hospitals wouldn't confirm whether an inmate was present, so she drove toward Tallahassee, hoping she was headed toward Darren to at least be near him even if she couldn't hold his hand. From a hotel room, she called the district attorney's office at 11 p.m. and left a voicemail. I think I need help, she said. I don't know what happened but I think I need help. And then I was just awake the whole night. I, um, you know, I was in this, this hotel room that had no carpet and I was on the ground literally begging God to not let me die that night because my heart hurt so bad um, that I literally thought I was going to die of a broken heart. And all I could, all I kept talking to God about was, Please don't let something happen to me and Darren survive this only to find out that I'm not here anymore. Like that would kill him, right? Because I didn't know if he was alive or dead. I didn't know if he was in a coma. I didn't know if he was fine. I didn't know anything. So um, the next morning um, at 8.05 a.m., I get a call from the U.S. um, District Attorney's Office that says, absolutely, I want to pursue this. Um, and gave me a phone number um, to their civil rights um, special FBI special agent. I contacted him. 
um, or he might have even called me right after she, I think she had forwarded him and, and he called me um, within minutes. I mean, by 8.15 that morning, I was already speaking um, with the FBI. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, he um, he was so kind. Um, he uh, I, I kept, you know, telling him what I knew and I didn't know much. And he said, stop referring to him as your fiance. Refer to him as your husband because um, they they um, took away your constitutional right to be, to marry. He should be your husband. Refer to him as your husband. Um, and it was just the sweetest thing, right? And so um, I called and spoke with um, the inspector um, that morning to found out that he had been transferred to Florida State Prison um, and that he was in um, maximum management and that he was also in the medical unit. So maximum management, I soon learned, was um, confinement, solitary confinement reserved for the worst of worst offenders. It's much worse than death row. Um, It's a very small cement block room behind two steel doors. Um, There is an exhaust fan, but there's no, like, exhaust fan to pull hot air out but not actually give you any cold air. There's no windows. Um, maximum management. I, I'm sorry. This is this is in Rayford, right? So, yes. So it's sort of South Florida-ish, mm-hmm. um, and this is July, late July. Um, right. Just to give you a sense of the right. conditions. Right. It was no right. It was it was steamy, um, and so. Uh, so he's in, you know, some told he's in maximum management. He's not allowed to make any phone calls. He's not allowed to have any visitors. Um, he wasn't even allowed to get pictures. He wasn't allowed um, to get, like, periodicals. He wasn't allowed to order canteen. And he's a big, muscular guy that eats thousands of calories every day and works out. You know, he's like a guy that does, like, two or three or 400 push-ups at a time, right? So, um, so we, uh, you know, that was Tuesday, um, on July 14th. So I, I, you know, filed a civil rights, um, claim with the FBI and, um, found out that, you know, it was definitely a open investigation that, um, but, other like other than that, I didn't know anything. I, I started calling um, Florida State Prison and asked to speak with the with the warden. Spoke with an assistant warden, um, and initially, you know, their response was, "Well, your fiance is here because he attacked four officers." That was the first I heard of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, "What?" He goes, "Your fiance is here because he attacked four officers." And I said, "Please don't believe that." You know, and I didn't yell and I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, just please don't believe mm-hmm. that. And I said, I said, he just wouldn't do that, you know. And um, and I and so he, but he told me, you know, that he was in the medical unit. And so I started calling medical all day. I'm trying to get an update and no one's returning my call. Finally, at four o'clock that day, this is 21 hours after um, I get the call from the, the inmates telling me about it. Um, so at four o'clock that day, um, this nurse calls me back and she's just so nonchalant. She was like a nurse supervisor. Um, 
and I'm trying to ask her, you know, what his condition is. And she was like, well, you know, he's, he can't see. He's, you know, she tells me his eyes are swollen. He's, you know, probably has a broken nose. His lips are busted. Both of his eyes are swollen shut. Um, you know, he's complaining of, of headaches and, um, but that he was stable, um, but he was in the ICU. And so she makes it out to be like, he's fine, but he's in the ICU. Right. And I said, well, why didn't someone like tell me, um, you know, and, and she was just like, well, you know, if, if it was life threatening someone would have called you, that doesn't really make someone feel better 21 hours later. Right. Jennifer wouldn't know the full extent of Darren's injuries for weeks and wouldn't hear about his time in the hospital until another nurse called her months later and told her the whole story, this time in tears. 